Welcome to The Screeners, episode 15. In this week's episode, we talk about our most anticipated films of the fall. Next, we discuss 4K television and its unlikely partner, Netflix. The next-gen consoles are here. Which will you be buying, the PS4, the Xbox One, or do you even care? We also discuss the theory that advertisers are ruining creativity in the world of television. This week we do a main event double feature with Orson Scott Card's Ender's Game and the latest from Marvel in Thor The Dark World. Let's go. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast where all media is appreciated but none is safe. Well, we're back here at the Screeners Podcast. This is Chris. And Chad. Melody. And Josh. And we're back again to talk all things media. We do love to hear ourselves talk, but we also love to hear from you. If you've heard anything on the show that you want us to talk about more, or if there's anything you'd like for us to talk about in the future, drop us a comment at ScreenersPodcast.com or send us an email at ScreenersCast at gmail.com. All right, let's jump in. Jump cut. Jump cut. Cut. Hey guys, welcome to Jump Cuts. This is our lightning round segment of the podcast where we ask each other some questions and we each have about 60 seconds in which to answer them. If the answers go over 60 seconds, you will hear this sound. Okay, well, I have the first question for today, and what I would like to know from you guys is what movies are you most looking forward to in the upcoming winter? Josh, let's start with you. Well, I wish I could be excited about The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. The trailers look pretty, but, you know, it's been stiller, and it looks like one of the rare times that Hollywood has taken a story from a book and actually made it longer to fit into a movie format. They've added all kinds of weird stuff to this, and huh. I'm afraid it's going to be unrecognizable and terrible. Uh, I say again, Ben Stiller. Um, <laughs> outside of that, Out of the Furnace looks pretty good. I'm sure I will see Anchorman 2 at some point, because Will Ferrell. Oh, and uh, 47 Ronin. Ah, psych. psych. Oh, oh, you said no. <laughs> he pulled a psych on you. <laughs> you, you got me. You Boom. got me. You believed that. Wow, that's beautiful. All right, is that on I, your list? I thought maybe Keanu Reeves was like uh, you. You're a huge fan of his. He is, something. in fact, the chosen one in several different cultures. That's how. <laughs> that's, that's how he rolls. All right, Chris. What about you? All right, so uh, 47 Ronin is actually on my list uh, of things I like to see. Um, I, I don't know. I, it, obviously, it looks like more of the same. It does look like pretty fantastic, I think, anyway. Um, the Hobbit, um, part two, Desolation of Smog. Desolation of my Smaug. <laughs> Smaug. That comes out on the 13th. I'm actually pretty excited to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll no. see if it. No, not at all. You're not going to see it at all? No, I'll see it. I'm not excited after the first one, but whatever. Mm. Jack Ryan comes out on the 17th uh, of January. Uh, I'm pretty excited to see that. And then RoboCop comes out on the 12th of February. So those are my four that I'm most looking forward to over the next uh, couple of weeks and months. Chris, wow. That list is terrible. It's no, it's not. Crazy. It's pretty, it's pretty spectacular. This is, this is amazing thing. These are uh. amazing art house films coming out that are going <laughs> to rock worst the world. winter movie list I've ever heard. Terrible. Uh-huh. Pretty much. Well, we love you, Chris. Okay, well, Chad, what about you? Well, I'm going to try and redeem ourselves after Chris's list. Um, you can't possibly redeem yourself uh-huh. after that. I do 
I'm intrigued by, so I don't know if I'm, I would say I'm looking forward to, but I'm intrigued by uh, Spike Lee's remake of Old Boy. I'm a fan of the original, so I, I'm kind of interested, but it's probably going to be terrible. But movies that I'm actually looking forward to in the fall, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, looks really good. And I am looking forward to American Hustle. I'm also looking forward to The Wolf of Wall Street and 12 Years a Slave. Those are the ones that I think look really, really good, and I expect that they will be. So that's uh, it. No, no, no awesome. RoboCop on that list or 47 Ronin? Or... 40, actually, 47 Ronin I think will be good. There you go. Good in a bad really? way. All right. I really Give it do. to me. I Boom. do. I actually Boom. think it's going to be pretty fun. I do. It in, looks in the same way that From Dust Till Dawn was a classic quality movie. From Dust Till Dawn is good. Shut your face. Yeah, where, it was good as a comedy. Okay. Well, there you go. So that's it. What about you, Melody? All right. Well, I know no one's going to agree with me on this first one, and I don't actually really agree with myself, but I did put it on here. Uh, I put on Catching Fire because, okay, I liked Lord the books as much as, like, Okay, they're not great, but they're kind of fun. And uh, the reason that I put it on is for the simple fact that the visuals in the film, in the first film, in the Hunger Games, were like precisely what you envision when you read the books, in my opinion. I thought that they did a very good job capturing the essence of the visuals. I and so that's why I'm excited to see Catching Fire. So just zip it, whatever. You don't know. You don't, I'm with you. I read the, the series as well, and I, I am somewhat looking forward to it. So Ha! Ha! Thank you. Okay, I also have The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog. I don't care if it wasn't, you know, the best thing ever, the first one. It's still The Hobbit, and I love it, and I'm excited to see it. I also put Anchorman 2 on here, because um, I think it'll be funny. And I'm more more excited to see it after those hysterical commercials that we talked about last time. And I have The Wolf of Wall Street on here, because I think that looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I also put The Monuments Men on here, although that might count more like a spring movie than winter, but it looks fun. And... Uh, this is definitely a spring one, but I still wanted to mention it really quick, and that is the next 300 movie, which comes out in March. Ugh. And I don't. I, it's gonna be horrible. I don't terrible. care if it's gonna be horrible. Ugh. I'm still excited to see is it. So because, is it because of the way that the men are Why? dressed in that that you are Wait, excited? Yeah. You don't care that it's gonna be bad. You still want to see it because it's you know it's men wow. in loincloth and exactly packs. Why? Well, you why? Have you even seen a trailer for it? I, no, I have not seen the trailer. Chris, you oh have I didn't gosh. even know Harris, they were making it. it until... I'm, so, I'm so sorry, guys. No, I'm so why sorry. Are you sorry. Chris, you can't you... say anything Seriously, about anybody's list. All of these look amazing. List. Are you kidding me? Hobbit, on your 47 Ronin, Jack Ronin, Jack and Robocop. Ryan and Robocop. Jack Ronan. Uh, I can have 300 on my list if you can have Jack Ryan and Robocop. Yeah, the end. that's a good point. No, no <laughs> Robocop looks, looks awesome. Terrible. No, it looks awesome. Are you kidding me? Look at that cast. No, I'm not kidding you. It looks terrible. Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. Thank you very much. I think that's enough of that. Mm. Number two. All right. So Netflix appears to be kicking off the big push for 4K or as we're now calling it, Ultra HD content. They're starting to quietly roll out some test footage of 4K streaming videos and they're going to try to introduce more next year, starting with original content and then moving on to uh, movies from the studios. So I want to know what you guys think of the impending onslaught of 4K content and about Netflix trying to do it first. So let's start with Chris. So one of the first things 
when I read this article was it's so super confusing the way that they're naming this content. Um, So already Netflix has on the PS3 at least, when you take a look at um, what quality it's in, it's already in super HD. And so now they're going to go to ultra HD. Can we just can we just agree to call it something else other than that? I mean, it just I know they want to make it simple, but this seems so silly to me. Um, number one, it's going to be great when there's actually 4K televisions available at a decent price. There are. And okay, and th- those are where they are at Best Buy. They are oh. at Amazon. They are really? at how all much over. How much do 4K televisions cost right now? Uh, I can get a 4K. 50 inch for about 850 bucks what? from China. <laughs> what are you talking about? No Thank way. You. They've been reviewed by Gizmodo. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. Well, okay, so, so fantastic. So apparently then that means that everybody's going to be buying 4k televisions day after Thanksgiving. Is that kind of the, the, uh, Sears so, has an exclusive for a 55 inch. We'll just ignore that buzz and just keep going. You got buzzed. No, no. There's Even though Josh butted in. Ask a question. Give me 15 seconds. He asked him a question. 10 seconds. Go. All right. Seven. So the biggest problem is there's not content. I'm taking my microphone going home. All right. After that wonderful endorsement of the next wave of resolution, how about you, Melody? What do you think? Well, I really like watching flowers grow, so I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, no, wow. not really. Uh, I don't care about the original content at all. I don't even have time to watch what I really want to watch, so I definitely don't care about 4K original content. But I think it will be great when they do get, you know, movies in in a better quality. That'll be grand. Uh, and when we get a 4K TV, maybe we will care. So good for Netflix for staying on the cutting edge. All right. Everyone seems happy. Chad, how about you? <laughs> First of all, I love Netflix. You got to give a big standing ovation to Netflix. The evolution of that company from, you know, discs in the mailbox to original 4K content is awesome. So first of all, I love me some Netflix. I am all for the uh, the continual push towards 4K, 6K, 8K. Uh, you know, I do, as a little bit of a purist, I don't want it to get too sharp where it loses kind of the filmic look, but I'm all for it. I mean, all the things that we're saying are right. There's not almost no content. It's not going to be, I mean, HD has just really been fully adopted and embraced from a television standpoint so now to turn around and have to buy buy movies for a third time from dvd to hd to blu-ray to this i'm not for that but ultra hd you know, I'm, I'm for it i'm for it I, I say bring it on what about you josh tell me how much you hate it okay so for starters no one's gonna buy movies in this format we're all going to stream them the only problem with that is that we need a telecommunications infrastructure that can deliver it to us verizon can barely give me this compressed HD streaming that we have now, and I'm supposed to have 50 megs of bandwidth. Yeah, right, I do. So We can't even Skype call properly, right? Exactly. I'm, I'm all with you, Chad. Good on Netflix, and someone's got to yeah. do it first. Of course, there's not going to be any content at first, but the fact that this major player in the streaming business is stepping up and saying, we're going to do it, I think that's great. I'm all for 4K arrested development next year. As soon as I get that TV, I've been pretending I'm going to buy. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'd rather have the country fix health care and everything. But 4K streaming infrastructure, that'd be good. 
<laughs> it's a close second, right, Josh? Yeah, close second to, you know, being alive. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> to being alive. If you're going to be alive, you want 4K content. That's true. What's the point right, of living it's not if you don't it. have 4K? Right. That's right. Why, what else? This is a very Am sad conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Chad, thank you for bringing a little bit of positive. I feel, I feel like I was a little too down on the uh, on the whole thing there. Yeah, so. and plus, you know, I know this question is about Netflix, so obviously we're not buying anything for Netflix. But if you don't think that they're going to sell 4K movies, even if they're living in the cloud, you're crazy. You know, they will, and we'll just own them somewhere else, except we won't really own them. But that's a jump cut of a different day. Yeah. Indeed. It's two jump cuts. All right, guys, the next generation in video games is upon us this week. We'll see the launch of the PlayStation 4, and next week we'll see the launch of the Xbox One. So my question is this. Are you excited about next gen? Are you, you know, pumped up and ready to buy some new games? Or are you kind of just, meh, I don't know. It's exciting, but I'm not really all that excited. So let's go to our reporter in the field, Chad. How do you feel about this, sir? I am excited. This I told Laura, that my wife, that there are very few times at this stage of my life where I am willing to wait in line for anything. But because I didn't pre-order in enough time, I'm going to wow. have Laura and two or three of my other brothers and family all staked out in line trying to pick up an <laughs> Xbox One. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Next weekend. I did it. Seriously? I said it. I'm a grown man. I Watch me do it. I will stand wow. out there and get me one. Wow. So, Primarily because the estimates are that if you don't get one, you pro- you might not be able to get one before Christmas. And so this is my this is my Christmas present. So if I don't get it, then I'm kind of by humbugged for Christmas. But yeah, I'm excited about it. For me, the gaming thing is really mostly about playing uh, games with friends online. So the hard part is going to be getting all my friends to get on board the Xbox One train, <coughs> Josh. And then, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm not super excited about the PS4, but the Xbox One, I'm definitely in. All right, Melody, how are you feeling about the next generation? Well, I know you guys will probably be disappointed in me, but I'm kind of more on the meh side. I just don't have a lot of time for gaming anymore. So um, I'm sure they're going to be great. And it seems like Sony is um, maybe making some better choices than they've made in the past. Maybe not according to Chad, but... No, they are. uh, Okay. So anyways, I mean, I'm sure that the gamers out there will be super excited I'm I'm sadly becoming less and less of a gamer. So, but I'll you know I'll play because I'm sure we'll end up with both of them in this house, and that'll be grand too. Grand. That's all I got, people. It will be grand. <laughs> Josh, how about you, man? Oh, you're not excited, Melody. How could you? I'm so sad. I'd, I'd like to go back to the top of. Let's go back to the top of this segment. I'd like to play back Chris's question because it ended up being, if I can reiterate here, your question was. Are you excited about the next gen launch, uh-huh. or are you really excited about the next gen launch? <laughs> That's great. Well, you know. Good job, Chris. Not a problem. And the answer is, you know, eh. <laughs> I'm not excited about the PS4. Sony just lost me somewhere around the PS2 when the Xbox came out and completely beat them out in the online space. And so Correct. as I've gotten older and more boring and more busy with work and life, I've become less and less of an actual gamer and like Chad said it's about socialization and also letting me interact with the rest of my entertainment universe so when I turn on an Xbox I want to watch Netflix or I want to play games with friends or coming now with this next generation 
um, Skyping, especially with like both sets of grandparents, if and when we ever have kids, it'll be like the Jetsons. It'll be great. So as I think about it more, I've actually gotten a little bit more excited oh, for maybe yeah. the Xbox, but oh, I, yeah. I, I, I still don't know Try get in, because Josh. I am not standing out in line I'll do it for anywhere you. to buy video games. <laughs> I'll do it for you. I got, <laughs> I got people. Buy two. That's, I, I got buy people. three while you're there. That's going to happen. Melody's supposed to be getting me one for I Christmas. All I want for Christmas. So hopefully, no, you can take care of that. My all wife on yourself since you already bought yourself an iPad and you already bought yourself an iPhone, so you can buy yourself an Xbox. This is for Christmas, Baja. Yes. Yes. So much shame love. on you, Grinch. Grinch, yeah. lady. Not a Grinch. You're a Grinch. Yeah. I'm not a Grinch. I'm right. not going to go see Look, him. look, Melody so will buy him an Xbox when account. he buys her a microphone. Oh, oh. Boom. <laughs> All right, Chris, what about you? So, yeah, I'm actually on agreeing with, with Josh. Um, I'm, I'm not really too excited about many of the games that are coming out over the next six months to a year. Maybe one or two pique my interest, but I'm more excited about the upgrade to the hardware on the Xbox One with all of the other multimedia devices, uh, multimedia sources. So to be able to pop in and out of a game um, super fast, to not have to like, you know, reload a game or whatever, just go straight there to uh, Internet Explorer or to Netflix or to um, anything else that I want to be doing and then pop right back in without any lag. That's exciting for me. It's the speed increase, the bump in specs. That's what really has me excited about this next generation. Not so much the games, which is a little disappointing, but at the same time, I'm pretty excited, I think, about what the potential that will be in three years' time. I think it'll be a, a really great uh, really great system. So I'm excited. It's going to be good. Yeah, voice control is going to be cool. Come on now. It's the future. Uh, it's the future. They already have that. No, no but not I, good voice control. They don't. The problem is, is that I actually have uh, our living room is a big space, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I voice doesn't travel that far, and so it never is very yeah. But the accurate. New, it's a big, the new booming, commanding voice. Come on. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be good. Believe it. I just don't want to wake up my I kids. I can't wait till the next NSA scandal. The Xbox. Yeah, no, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have a confession to make. A few years ago, I was a devoted viewer of a television show on NBC called Harry's Law. And it was a, a show, a legal show that was kind of a comedy, dramedy, I guess you would say. It starred Kathy Bates as uh, Harriet Korn, and it had a cast of characters. It was kind of silly. But it was a, a solid show that routinely brought in 9 to 10 million viewers per episode, which by today's standards would be considered a hit. However, after only two seasons, it was canceled. And the reason that it was canceled was because it performed poorly for the coveted demographic of anybody that is above the age of, say, 16 and below the age of 35. So I sent out an article uh, this week for you guys to read that's talking about this disturbing trend where television shows are created essentially to cater to a very small demographic and regardless of what historically would have been considered successful numbers, shows are being canceled because of advertising money or the lack thereof. So I just wanted to hear what you guys thought about this trend, if you've noticed it, or if you think that it is something that hopefully can be turned around. So, Melody, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't guess that I had necessarily noticed it and that I've, I had thought about it in those terms, but reading the article, it made sense. I, I think that like the industry is going to just continue to to need to change because although it makes sense that advertisers are going after the younger demographic, 
the problem is that the younger demographic isn't necessarily watching TV the way that they used to, you know, where where the cord cutters were watching it on Hulu or were buying it on iTunes or whatever. So we're consuming the content differently. So the advertising world needs to change, too. So uh, I don't know how necessarily that's going to affect programming. I mean, the article was talking about finding shows that maybe are more interesting to the older audience again, which I'm not sure if that's super exciting to me. I don't know exactly what those types of shows would be um, that would appeal to the older audience. I don't know. But um, I do understand what they're saying. And I think that the industry will continue to change until it figures it out. Okay. Josh, how about you? Okay. First off, I was going to be the first one to say cord cutters, but I should have known that <laughs> Melody. Sorry. Boom. Anyway, so I'm going to be counterpoint in this whole point-counterpoint thing because I read this article more than once, and it made less sense the more I read it. Thank the you. He- the headline claims one thing, and Thank then you. throughout the rest of the article, the author completely turns his rhetoric around, and by the end, he's saying that TV is turning back towards an older audience because all the disaffected hipster youth have turned into cord cutters. Right, <laughs> which is not what the, the... Yeah, you're right. You're totally exactly. right. Exactly, and if the claim the headline made were true, neither CBS nor Fox News would exist as networks. Both of these networks make shows exclusively for the over-50 demographic, mm-hmm. and CBS continuously claims to have the highest-rated shows on television, they despite do. being they do. across the board terrible. Yeah, true. And not popular with the youth demographic. And so the only example the author can use to support the argument is the cancellation of Harry's Law, and that's because <laughs> Kathy Bates is a supporting actress, not a lead actress, and oh. audiences know it. I think the only reason why we're talking about this is because Chad misses Harry's Law. <laughs> yeah, thanks for <laughs> bringing her back. And you saw this, and you're like, and you're like, oh yeah, I I agree. I this is awesome. No, I I think this is a bunch of malarkey. First of all, for me, it just seems so. Um, like this, the, the, the author wasn't going anywhere with this, uh, point. And, you know, again, like Josh just said, there are plenty of examples where over 50 demographic does very well. It's just not what is prevalent in our cultural, cultural reference because everybody who is on Facebook or Twitter or in these other places are in the other demographic, the 18 to 35 demographic. And so that's what's getting all the traction. So I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't seem very like a scientific thing. It seems more like just an opinion of his that he's coming out with. And I don't think it's very valid in, in my opinion. Okay. Well, I disagree. I think it is. I think it is valid just from the standpoint of the show in the show that he mentions and a comparison that he actually mentioned, which I Harry's think law, he contrasts Harry's law with community. Community's numbers are routinely terrible. They're four to five million an episode. But the majority of the people that support a show like community are right square in the demographic uh, that advertisers seek. So that show is renewed for a third and fourth season where a show like Harry's law, whose main demographic is not within the sweet spot with 10 million viewers is canceled. So I think that you can't just completely ignore that. I mean, I think that is certainly valid, but his claim that it's wrecking the TV business is certainly just headline mongering and he's trying to trying to get some readers. But I do think I do think it's something that's at least worth looking at because there's no reason that a show with 10 million people regardless would be canceled. And I love Harry's law, so shut your face. Welcome to the main event. Our main event this episode is a double feature of Ender's Game and Thor The Dark World. First one up is going to be Ender's Game, based on the novel by Orson Scott Card. The IMDb description is, Young Ender Wigan is recruited by the international military to lead the fight against the Formics, 
a genocidal alien race which nearly annihilated the human race in a previous invasion. Oh. <laughs> he has to save us all. <laughs> Is that, where I'm, suppo- that, is that where I'm supposed to put the trailer? Yes, but <laughs> okay. don't just leave that. I'll leave it there. Alright. When the aliens first invaded, they nearly destroyed us. They will be back. There's greatness in you, Ender. The world needs you. You were bred for this. You see things in a way we can't. You alone can understand the enemy. You will be the one to save mankind. He's not ready. You're never ready. Go when you're ready enough. Track them from below the ice. Shoot straight. Stay calm. Here we go. Fire! I've never seen anyone do that. If you don't try, then we will all be lost. I'll do everything I can to win this war. In three, two, one, now! I have to start out the main event this time by saying that our original plan was to all read the book Ender's Game and tell you our beloved fans that we were reading the book so you could read it too and we could all have a book review and this was gonna happen around you sound so grumpy the end of august well i'm getting to why i'm grumpy i'm grumpy because i actually read this book and then we got to the end of august and we were like are we gonna do that book review thing and everyone said well i haven't read it yet and we never told anyone about it so i guess we'll just see the movie and so that's what we did I read the book. And That's not true. I read it. Did you? Every did word you read of the it. book? I did. So, um, so, so did we, I'm Josh. sorry. Yes, you read the book. No. The so. story goes, as we were all in Vegas, <laughs> you did not read the book. You promised that you would listen to the book and claim that you read it. Ah. Since we have that on record now, you can't go back. That's right. No, I did listen to the book. Part of it. Part of it. But okay. m- most of it, though. Of Golly. It. <laughs> No, no, I'd say about 70% of the book. We're gonna, I'll right. give you a little bit of my, my feedback on that. It's part yeah, of my I, review, actually. We will encompass both the book and the movie in this review somehow. And so I guess we'll just get started. And our rundown here says I get to start. So I saw the movie. It is what it is. And the good news is that <laughs> at least they cut the worst parts out of the book. It's a great they cut movie. out most of the racism and sexism. They cut out either the cynicism or ignorance that led Card to... Uh, assume that the entire masses of the world could be completely controlled by a couple of well-read teenagers and a blog. They cut out, you know, the jabs at religions and countries other than Orson Scott cards that he had in there, the patriotic jingoism. And so all that's good. The bad news is that the movie's the same as any adaptation of any sufficiently complex novel that has any sort of action, which is that because of the constraints of the film format, any sense of nuance is ripped out of the story in service of using the effects budget as well as they can, which they did. There were explosions and graphics. and So I, the bottom line is I really don't see what's so special about this story, either the book or the movie. He, Card won all these awards for it, which to me proves that there's just not that much good source material in the science fiction world. 
And it's just another root for the underdog story, except in this case, the underdog's only adversity is his own intelligence. Maybe I should save some of this for the spoiler section. I, you have not got, that it's a spoiler, but I've been talking for so long. <laughs> in the spoilers, that's a good idea. All right. And we'll move on to Melody. Melody, what did you think about this science fiction classic brought to life on film? Well, I am very embarrassed and sorry to say that I did not read the entire book as I had intended and promised well, for reasons which I will not pontificate on at this time. But I did find it interesting that I, I read like half the book. And when I was watching the film, I definitely enjoyed the first half of the film significantly more than the second half. And I assume that is because I had read that portion of the book and had the context of the characters and the world and and enjoyed seeing some of, of those scenes brought to life. Um, so I, I enjoyed moderately the first half of the film. Second half, it uh, kind of just fell apart for me. Didn't really care. Kind of just felt like it was another teen-pleasing movie that doesn't really make any sort of impact or have any great story or passion or anything that I care much about. So it was fine. Uh, overall, it was a fine experience. I don't intend to watch it again. I probably wouldn't hugely recommend it. But it was it was fun to see some of the uh, scenes that I did like in the book brought to life. I'll save the rest for later. All right, Chris, how about you? So I had very little familiarity with the source material um, before sort of reading the book or seeing the movie. I'd never really heard a whole lot about it. And so when I started listening to the book, it seemed very, well, it seemed to mirror a lot of other things that I had seen within the world of science fiction, films, books, television shows in the year since. And so I guess, and I don't know, maybe you guys can tell me more about this, Josh, perhaps you can, that maybe Orson Scott Card originated some of this material. Like a lot of it felt like uh, Harry Potter or a um, Hunger Games or a Starship Troopers or a very much like this idea of um, an elite group of people learning how to grow up, you know, students um, learning from teachers fighting, you know, off an immense alien force and finding their one weakness with a super soldier. You know what I mean? Like it just felt very much like I'd seen this all before and nothing was very um, new. And so it just, it just felt for me, it fell flat. The first half of the book I actually quite enjoyed. And then I got kind of bored with it cause I felt like it was becoming way too derivative. Like I just felt like I'd heard all of this before. I have a feeling I know where it's going and I got to say, when I watched the movie, the first half of the film, I enjoyed just to be able to see kind of the visualization of what was on the page. But to be honest with you, it felt so rushed. The, the book and the movie itself felt very, very rushed. Very going, much so. Going through yeah, chunks of time. For me, I, I, I enjoyed the the first half of this film uh, quite a quite a bit i actually liked the interplay that the kids had the cleverness that they were trying to make him i guess i liked the idea of it more that he was clever strategic he was able to kind of play chess as it were you know set people up and then use them to achieve his goal uh, and have them not really even know it until the last moment. And so I, I liked all, all that kind of, but it, I didn't feel like it executed very well. Like it, it could have and, uh, as well as it should have, I think. So for me, 50% of the movie I kind of enjoyed, but it didn't deliver on its promise. Ender's game was written first 
published in 77. So he was card was way ahead of all these other people that you've heard the source material from before. I think it's very much like a princess of Mars, which, you know, eventually Disney released as John Carter. Um, and it was blasted by people that didn't know any better as being derivative when it was written, you know, decades ago. And everything that people had gotten used to was actually derivative of that original work. And I think this is not right. this is not on that same level. But you know, to be fair to the guy, he was writing things about blogs in, in the late 70s before blogs existed. And so, you know, to say that. You don't. You wouldn't buy the idea, Josh. You know that intelligent children could control the government through blogs when he was writing about things that didn't yet exist. I mean, that's. I don't think that's quite a fair criticism. Now, the other. 19- I'll tell you what I meant by that once <laughs> yeah. you. Okay, once that's you're fine. Finished. I know the other nineteen things that you said are fair criticisms. I, I think that I did read the book. I didn't enjoy the writing style, but I did enjoy. I think the character development and a lot of the themes that that he explored in the book. And there's a lot. I mean, take your pick here. There's, I mean, my goodness, there's 15 yeah. or 20 different themes that you could that you could pick up, and it's hard to kind of identify what the main theme was. But as far as how it informed my viewing of the film, I, I think I, I think you guys are maybe a little bit hard uh, on the movie. It wasn't certainly we've seen adaptations of science fiction works that have been absolute disasters, that have been terrible and just almost unwatchable. And this movie is not unwatchable. It it does it is rough. We do have the benefit, or at least Josh and I and you guys kind of have the benefit of some of the context of the of the novel to fill in some of the blanks. So maybe I'd be interested to hear the perspective of someone who hasn't read the book mm-hmm. and see how they, they liked it. But I think the movie looks very good. I think the performances, because we're talking about it as a movie, I think a lot of the performances are good. It's very difficult to get believable yeah, performances from young actors. And I think yeah. that... For the most part, these these guys, I, I wanted to get a little more of the character development that happened in the book. Some of the reasons why Ender was struggling with some of the decisions that he had to make and some of some yeah. of the uh, situations that he found himself in, the way that he used his intelligence to get out of things, even using brutality as even though not that he was afraid of using brutality. He just didn't really want to, but knew that it was the right thing to do to win certain situations. There's lots of things that I, I would have liked to see fleshed out more. Uh, but I think the performances were good. I think Harrison Ford was good in this movie. I think Asa Butterfield yeah. was good. I think the direction was pretty good. And I think the, the special effects and certainly the visual effects overall looked really good. I think that it's watchable. I think that it was good. I think the performances were good. But I agree that the strongest part of the film easily is the first 30 minutes or so. Yeah. And then it, and then very much like the book, it kind of gets redundant and yeah. it kind of spins its wheels uh, in the middle. And the payoff at the end in a culture where we're used to having the rug pulled out from underneath us at the end yes. of, of lots of films, yeah. it's very difficult to do that. Even if you don't know what's coming. And what this film did that the book did not do, in my opinion, is that I think there were three or four moments where the movie actually telegraphed what was actually going on, which really Mm -hmm. aggravated me where I did not see that coming uh, in the book. So overall, I didn't love either experience, but I'm not nearly as negative on them. I would never I'm not interested in reading the sequels. I'm certainly I don't think that this movie's made enough money that they're going to be able to make sequels, but it was a decent effort, I will say, at an adaptation of a of a pretty tough book. I mean, I think I can see why it's taken decades to uh to get it to the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I hope I hope um 
you guys who are listening right now don't think that I hated the movie. I didn't. I actually quite enjoyed, like I said, the first half of this movie was quite enjoyable for me. I found myself laughing and saying, wow, okay, that's cool. I like that. I loved all the conceptual stuff Mm -hmm. that they put out there. I thought the performances were very good. I agree with you there, Chad. I just felt like a lot of the the pieces were very – and obviously, you know, uh, the the book was written – several years ago and so most of the stuff has been taken by other properties and it was very derivative but if you're making a movie in today sure. you've got to change some of those things you know if you're if you're if you're making the movie you can't just rest on the laurels okay the book was good 45 years ago i've got to do some things that'll make it good for a movie audience today sure. and that's the, the you know the the, the, the artistic license well, yeah but take. you say that but then right. all of the people that love the book would be up in arms if <laughs> well, they know what do you want to change the from the story I mean, to yeah. I think well, I mean, the, obviously, they, they change a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like, I think, the, he talks about email. He, obviously, that wasn't a part of the well, 1977 yeah, book. He talks about things, but if you're, yeah. if you're talking about changing the actual story. I'm line. not. I'm not. I'm just saying that you can do certain things sure. that keeps the integrity of the book, but think, also updates but I, it for the audience. But I think that they did do that. I think that I think they yeah. made a wise decision to exactly what Josh said at the beginning. Yep. They made a wise decision to take out what they did take out. And I'm sure, not sure yeah. that you could... With what was left, I'm not sure what else you could lose. I personally would have liked the film to be another 10 minutes um, yeah. as opposed to – because I think the total runtime is just under two hours. And so I, you're just constrained. It's just a, a constraint. And there's no way to make it interesting in, I agree. Th- in this film with all the stuff about the the brother uh, and his sister and – they I was intrigued. Plot devices. Exactly. I was intrigued, and I wanted to hear. I, I wanted to, you know, explore it more. I agree. Another ten minutes, fifteen minutes, even. I would have, you know, I would have actually enjoyed it. I, I just feel like it was rushed, very derivative, and thus, I think, at the end result, was kind of like, oh, it was, it was enjoyable. I would recommend people sure. go see it. Bottom line, and then we'll move into story and book spoilers. I guess, Chris, you've already given yours, right? Yeah, I, I think, I think. I think definitely it's worth saying, uh, especially if you're a sci-fi fan. If you're definitely if you're an Orson Scott Card fan, you should at least go see it. It's 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 visually stunning and uh, and worth worth your ten fifteen bucks. Melody, I mean, yeah, it, like I said, if you're a sci-fi <laughs> fan, I, I don't think I would like walk around telling people go see Ender's Game. But if you really want to see movies and you're a sci-fi fan, uh, what one reason I did. Oh, I might recommend this is because Harrison Ford is actually good in it. And I <laughs> have a very special place in my heart for Harrison Ford. And he's done a lot of crap roles yeah. lately. So it was nice to see him, you know, I mean, he wasn't like amazing or anything, but he totally pulled off the role. So that was nice. But uh, I mean, I think you could totally save it for a rental at home myself. Jan? Yeah, it's definitely a rental for me. I don't see any reason had I not. Actually, that's. It's hard for me to judge because I pretty much am going to see anything that comes out just because right. of who I am. Right. But if I'm ha- if I'm recommending this to people that I know that are normal, uh, I see no reason unless you've read the book. Even if you love science fiction, I see no reason to see this movie in the theater. It's beautiful, but it's not something you haven't seen before. I would say rent it. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with uh, Chad and Melody on this one. I, the movie, like like you've been saying, the movie was watchable. I think I took my bias kind of against the story into the movie. It it was okay, but knowing the book like I did, it really did feel rushed. And so it's watchable, but I wouldn't spend theater money on it nope. if I didn't have to for our lovely little podcast. <laughs> okay. You're welcome, Josh. You're welcome. Thank you so very much. 
because now I get to talk about spoilers. Oh. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. All right, so the thing I didn't mention when I was talking about things they took out from the book is their best decision um, when they were cutting stuff down and making it so rushed, the best decision they made was to cut out the last several chapters of the book just entirely because mm -hmm. Chris Melody are you guys going to go back and finish the book no just no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no I, I, I really months, no. So you, you mean on. when he's flying around with his sister uh, trying to make things right in the galaxy is that what we're talking about yes yeah. that, that, is, that is part of it he flies around with his sister and tries to make things right in the galaxy and then we get to this part where he ends up starting his own religion yes and trying to carry on his bug egg and it's just the most yes. ridiculous like the book has been reasonably paced throughout and then we get to the ending and we suddenly come across a whole trilogy shoved into like 40 to 100 pages at the end of the book and I just at that point it completely lost me but it was already over so I just read it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think one of the things that the book does that took me a little bit to get used to and I'd never really fully embraced it was it does absolutely jump ahead months and years at a time abruptly and that can be done I mean that can certainly be done I don't know that it was handled very elegantly uh, in the writing uh, and particularly in this in the story but yeah you're right the ending was was a little a little crazy and I, could, I could pontificate on why I think that is based on the author but I will not do that so <laughs> anyway. no no let's do it this is our book review section of the podcast oh okay I do not want is? to offend any that are listening I don't care <laughs> I will offend anyone who wants to defend Orson Scott Card and his uh, libertarian anarchist intelligence. <laughs> Here we go. We no, go. I um, I, I th the same thing though can be said. You know, the shift in place um was rather jarring for me in the movie. Okay, but here's a bigger problem for me. And I don't. You guys can tell me if this is in the book because I obviously didn't read up to this. But the the castle that he's seeing in his video game dream whatever um is just outside his window like the queen is just outside his window and they'd never swept for the queen they never looked right next to their base for the queen um. life signs i don't get it what happened yeah you'd, you'd think no but no that is on the one of the aliens other planets i think that's not on the planet that they have the base on in the book oh and it's, it's it's you know it's a movie device it at, at the end of the book like we were saying he goes flying around the galaxy and this is on another one of the worlds they so, built this whole they built the castle and the everything for him and then communicated to him through his little game thing right which i feel like a lot of that that was really cool in the book was completely not cool in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. awful. It was awful. Yeah, because that for me, that that really lost me. I was like, wait a minute. But You're in the book, I was like, oh, this is this is really cool. Like, I want to know more about this game. Yeah. And in the movie, it was just really stupid. Anyways, we've really talked a yes, lot. Yes, we have. So, yeah. Can we talk about something else now? Sorry. We, we don't want to bash card at all. 
No. I know nothing about Thor. Yeah. Bashing. Oh, I know nothing about Thor. <laughs> yeah. He's a Mormon and he doesn't like gay people or people different from him. The end. Right. Again, but uh, yeah. And I yeah, whatever. I'm but not going to get into that. That wasn't the film, so good for <laughs> him. It was it not wasn't. part of the film. And if we're going to start but, selectively choosing the morality of the people that yeah, create our art, then we will not please, participate in any art. Okay, see, let's not that, do that's that where you all. and I differ because I think it's perfectly valid to criticize the morality of the people who create our I, art no, and I the people who create our entertainment. Again, I didn't say that we couldn't. I said if we're going to selectively choose who we do and then let that determine whether we participate in their art, we won't be participating in much art. I participated in this art. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't so, mean I can't disagree with it. Wait, can I just clarify this one? Go off on a tangent for just a second. Josh, you're telling me that if you hear about an author that you disagree with, you don't read them, or you just go in knowing that you're probably not going to agree with us on the page? I mean, what do you do with that information once you do know that the author has a different morality or whatever than you do? And that seems a little I, narrow-minded to me. I mean, I read no, I read Ender's Game. I know. So what, what, what difference does it make? Are you just saying it's just nice to, to have a knowledge of where, where that person's coming from? Or what, what do you do with that information? Well, it, it depends on the severity of, of the disagreement or in some cases, you know, if you consider it to be real amorality on the part of the artist, you don't support them. But if it's just something you disagree with, then I, I think that just that helps you see their perspective when you are experiencing their creation. So, but you're saying you still experience, you still go in and participate in it. You still read it or you watch it or you listen to it. You just, you're informed by the, the lens by which the, uh, the author was creating the, the, the art. Is that what you're saying? I, I just don't understand like what, like, obviously you go in, you experience it for you, right? Through your lens of what you're seeing, things you interpret, the art the way that you are going to and then you look back and say wow that's not what was meant for me at all but i got something completely different like that's still a valid experience right i think yeah i i think so i don't I, really know what you're getting at I, my my, well, my whole thing is that look if i only am going to watch a film that was directed or written by or the dude that's holding the the lights or the or the grip or the gaffer you know where does it stop you know, oh, well, the, yeah. the, the best boy for that day doesn't believe exactly like I do, so I'm not going to watch that movie. I mean, I, for me. Oh, come on now. No, <laughs> that's a slippery slope argument. That's not a, that's a valid argument. Yeah. Because no, a that's movie, a completely a, slippery slope it, argument. Listen to me. A movie is made by consensus. It is made by 150 people from the person that first sits down to write the screenplay to the person that finishes the edit to the person that gives the final cut. Obviously, there are some people that have more influence, but it, it can't be made by a single individual. So this argument yeah. that the guy that wrote the book 28 years ago doesn't line up with what I believe, so I'm not going to watch this film is ludicrous to me. That makes no sense. If I only want to watch and read and participate in other things that line up exactly with people that I believe, then I will be living a very <laughs> narrow, shallow experience. I want to participate. W what about a, a direct? Are there are directors and screenwriters that are alcoholics and wife beaters and all kinds of other things. So, I mean, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? So. so for starters, I wasn't talking about the movie. I was talking about the story in relation to how this is um, nominally, at least, a book review as well. Well, sure. So but it's leaving a, it's the movie a, out of this because, like I said, they cut out a lot of what I would consider the negative parts of the book. 
Yeah, but it's still a movie based on the you it's know based on the, on novel. the action in the book. Yeah, but even if you are just talking about the book, like just because you don't, it, it's the same. It's the same argument. Just because you don't agree with the author doesn't mean that you shouldn't read the work. It, it means, I mean, obviously you can make your own decision whether you want to read it or not, but. I mean, oh. doesn't that help you confirm your own beliefs then? If it, well, doesn't it give you? Clearly, I did read the book. I am maintaining my right you. to <laughs> criticize the author on various of parts of his. So yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I agree with the book. That's I, all I'm saying. I agree and that was my question: is is like, what do you do with that? Like, uh, what do you? Okay, so you're just saying I just disagree with him. But and that's what my question, Josh, is: I, is that when 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 you're talking with somebody, it's, okay, you know this about the author. You have the work over here. What do you do about those two things? Do, do you just say that's just the way it is? The book is fantastic, but the author is a moron, but still, I'm not, yeah, you know what I mean? Or I do think, you say, you know, you I throw think it out. Josh can call, I think it's valid to call him whatever you want to call him. Call him a homophobe, call him a jingoistic a-hole, call him whatever you want to call him, <laughs> right? You literally can call him whatever you want to call him. That's totally valid. You don't have to read his book. I just have a philosophical disagreement with the idea that has been perpetuated around Orson Scott Card that if you disagree with someone's beliefs that you should not participate as a yeah. general baseline in the art that they create. That, For I sure. believe, is not a, a valid argument at all. So Maybe. that's where I'm coming from. And a lot of people really have said that. That's what Josh is saying. No, that's not what Josh is saying. I'm just I'm, the, 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 my 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 initial question was, okay, you disagree with him, but what do you do with that now? I mean, like, what's he wants to critique the, the man? Go ahead, Josh. Do you want to say some critique I'm about good. this author? <laughs> I'm good. All right, All right. we know you disagree. I have points, but they are irrelevant to our discussion here. <laughs> Josh, Josh got way too literary on Josh. our butts this night. I was. I love it. I, I can read to you the end of my, my critique that I've Go written here. But do please, it. do it. It would be hilarious. Let's do, do it, it. Let's Josh. do it. Let's hear, let's hear it. Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Josh. Again. Now the last two sentences. No, oh, wait. One really long, two. awkward sentence of my critique. Card is clearly intelligent, but his intelligence strikes me the same way as the intelligence of a lot of modern libertarians and anarchists these days, even though Card is claimed to be a Democrat of some kind, the true Democrat that went out of style somewhere in the 70s, I guess. And that's the kind of intelligence that sequesters itself in a bubble away from other perspectives, either because it neither never puts itself in contact with them or because it refuses to accept that the solution to all of humanity's problems that it's carefully studied and worked out might be a bit short-sighted. The end. After all this time, now you come to visit me, brother. Why? To mock. I need your help. But I wish I could trust you. If you did, you'd be the fool I always took you for. Some believe that before the universe, there was nothing. They're wrong. There was darkness, and it has survived. Face an enemy known only to a few, known only to one. You must be truly desperate to come to me for help. Thor, your bravery will not ease your pain. The very fabric of reality will be torn apart. I'll find a way to save us all. 
On to the second part of our main event. Thor, the Dark World. Faced with an enemy that even Odin and Asgard cannot withstand, Thor must embark on his most perilous and personal journey yet, one that will reunite him with Jane Foster and force him to sacrifice everything to save us all. Um, Chris, why don't you go first? So I really like what Marvel's doing with their properties. Um, I I really think they're doing an awesome job of being able to give each and every character their own time, uh, bring them together in the Avengers, and I think uh, the Dark World uh, is actually one of their best efforts yet. I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I thought the cast is fantastic. Um, the story, uh, the, the MacGuffin of the, the story is pretty generic, just like we talked about in Ender's Game. It's very similar to things you've seen before. But you really don't care all that much because the, 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 what the actors are doing and just the, 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 the camaraderie and the... Um, charisma that everybody brings uh on screen is is pretty is pretty fantastic i i really i really liked it quite a bit and i um i can't see what i can't wait to see what they're gonna do next it's it's pretty great i love i love this marvel universe thing it's uh it's cool okay i will go next i would like to start out by criticizing and critiquing the nihilistic underpinnings of the dark world and <laughs> its allegory how it relates to earth you should Yes. Okay, so to be honest, you guys have fun. I didn't see the first one, so I was missing the vital context for this sequel to what <laughs> you didn't I can only it. assume is Marvel's what? take on this old house because he has a hammer. Wait, so you did see this one? No. Oh, <laughs> of course you did. No wonder you didn't want to see or talk about it. Oh my god! I told you, you I wasn't going to see it. You I hadn't sure. seen the first one. Oh, of I saw, it's on Netflix. It wouldn't. It I wouldn't saw the main. It. it is on Netflix. You're right. I saw the the star on Conan talking about it. It's fine. Really, it's it's really cool. quite good. You, you okay, Melody? My wife probably agrees with you. She will watch it. Go, Melody. All right. Well, I love Thor. I love the character of Thor. I love the mythology. I love the other the actor. Definitely. Um, what's his name? I can't even think of his Chris name. Chris Helmsworth. Thank you. Um, but no, but I, I love the mythology. I love the, the Norse thing and I love the world, Asgard, all that. Um, so I was certainly poised to uh, greatly enjoy this film, and I did enjoy it. I had fun. Uh, it was good. Whatever. It certainly, however, was not amazing to me, and I don't feel like when I was thinking about what I wanted to say, it took me a really long time to remember what the story really was. <laughs> like, I remember I, I had fun, and I liked seeing Thor with his with his woman friend and them getting together and uh no like because the romance was the cliffhanger in the yeah, first yeah, one yeah. but like the actual like bad guy and the the plot premise kind of was really fuzzy to me when i was trying to think about what i wanted to say so i guess i would say that i would have preferred maybe a different story with the characters than this one i don't think it was um great but at the same time, it was fun, for sure. I would recommend it for fun. I would recommend it Jed. for fun. <laughs> <laughs> if you and were looking I... for fun, I recommend this movie. <laughs> okay, so in the Marvel Universe, Thor is by far my least favorite as far Ooh. as the film is concerned, as far as the films are concerned. I do like Thor as a character. And, and the first one I liked, I didn't love, I, I liked it, and... Both of these, it really depends on how you take this, 
what you take into this kind of movie because yes there are grand battles yes it's an epic scale it's all about the entire the entirety of the universe being destroyed just like all these movies are um, but Thor the films uh, in particular are are smaller stories uh, they're really mostly about the characters and the friends of the characters and so I could I couldn't help but actually enjoy this movie a little more definitely more than the first one and a little more than I even thought that I would even as I was watching it I was thinking these these movies have a sense of humor they're they're definitely funny uh, they're comedic beats throughout the plots are ridiculous you know they really are the <laughs> there's so many things that are happening and, and Chris you're right the MacGuffin in this deal is we must the ether can destroy the ether. universe when we it's line ridiculous. up every 5,000 years. But, you know, you don't go to these movies for plot. Right, uh, exactly. But you're right. The, the main actor is great. Natalie Portman is great. It's funny. It's silly. Uh, it's completely disposable, in my opinion. I will never see this movie again. I have no desire to ever see it again. Where a movie like Avengers, I bought and I've watched three or four times. So I think this genre, you can elevate the source material into something that I think is really wonderful. This is just not quite there. This is for me is still personally like level B of the Marvel film universe. But, no, but it's this still... is better than Iron Man three, right? Oh yeah, I hated Iron Man three. Iron Man we 3, all did. Sure, yeah. Iron Man three is the first Marvel film that I that I actively disliked. This is a big step up from that. I enjoyed no this doubt. movie. I left it. Like I said, it was better than the first Thor. The performances are fine. If you go in, and I am not an advocate of turning your brain off. As a matter of fact, it's a pet peeve of mine. I hate it when people say that because you shouldn't have to turn your brain off to enjoy a film, even a silly film, as long as it's here. Here, you know. As long as it's being silly on purpose, you know, you don't need to just go forgive things. Right. But I think that this I think that this movie is very good at what it's trying to be. And what this movie is trying to be is a fun, adventurous romp with comedy and, and over the top action. But it's really more honestly, it's more about relationships. It's about the relationships between Thor and Loki. It's about Brothers. the relationships between the family. The family dynamic is very effective here. And I love the dark elves. I thought that was a great design, like a character design. Those were really cool. Yeah. Um, so but the movie it. wasn't, like you just said, the movie wasn't about the dark elves it or wasn't. the ether or any it of that stuff. Not. It was literally about Loki and, and Thor and Thor well, and, and Natalie Portman's and Natalie Portman's character in this, like, okay, no now how does this family coexist? That's and exactly Loki right. was fantastic. I don't know. I don't know that we need to go into spoilers. I mean, there's not really. I mean, do we want to talk about anything that went on? Well, if we're gonna spoil it, we need to go into spoilers. Spoiler: the Earth explodes. So uh, yeah, just, I know everything. So go just go around, Chris. People should see it. Yes, no. I I really like this movie a lot. Yeah, no. I, I, if if you're a Marvel fan, this is the start of what do they call it? Phase two. So right. Uh, yeah, no. I I think you should definitely go see it. Melody. Yeah, it's a solid uh, follow-up to all the other ones. It's it's fun. It is fun. Sure. And I also would say that if you are invested in the Marvel Universe, this is a big step up from Iron Man 3. So oh, my gosh, you definitely, yes. You definitely sure. should go uh, should go see it. Okay, well, so, so it's sounding better than Ender's Game. Maybe I'll see it. It is better it than Ender's Game. It was much better. <laughs> we, we saw it on the same day, actually. We watched Ender's Game and then Thor and... Man, yeah. you definitely will leave with a different feeling in your heart after this yeah. one than you do yeah. Ender's Game for sure. Yeah. So, especially because you're watching Chris Helmsworth. <laughs> <laughs> He's so, a beautiful okay. man. He is a beautiful he, man. He is. He is. He is definitely. You're listening to the Screeners podcast. So, definitely Loki again steals the show in this movie. I thought. What do you mean again? 
Do you think he stole the first one? Yeah, he was amazing in the first one and in the, in the Avengers as well. I mean, yeah, I you know, agree. he just he's just really yeah. charismatic and quite good. And that scene when they're escaping the palace and he turns into Captain America. That was I mean, awesome. that was come great. on, that was awesome. That and was that, funny. I would say that um, I agree. I agree that in this, this is the first movie for me where I got on board the Loki hype train because Man. now I've, really? he's now hold on now hold on I'm I'm not saying that his performances are bad far from it in Avengers he was great he and he st- he stands out just because what's his name is it Hiddleston Hiddleston or something Tom Hiddleston yeah. Hiddleston he is a great actor I do not deny that but I just there was this huge massive reaction to all of his performances that I just didn't have that same level I was I appreciated what he did I thought yeah he's great but this was the first one where I really thought okay I I get it I mean he's really He's, he's really having a, so much fun. Yeah, he's chewing the scenery. It's 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 really really good. I th- I will be honest though. The the last sequence where the th- the ship or whatever is stuck there in the middle of the ground, it got a little bit too much into cartoon land for me at that point. I love the idea. It was essentially like watching for you gamers out there. It was like watching Portal, the video game, except yeah. in, except in a massive end of world battle yeah. and well the, and, and except portal makes sense where they're going right, and, and that's just like flinging around right. the galaxy and, and that's what i was going to say is like the first like two minutes of it i was like now this can be awesome yeah. and right. then it just got completely silly and, and over the top and up to that point it really had built a nice sense of momentum it was exciting and i thought man they're gonna just crush this and knock it out of the park but then it just got off the rails as these movies often do and got a little too silly over the top the whole thing in the red tornado at the end i was like okay come on you know it just got <laughs> it got ridiculous yeah. but it did. but for the most part you know what i mean what do you expect it's a stupid poor movie it, it, it is a it is a comic book movie and they 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 stayed true to that at least no it doubt. didn't get off it didn't get off into like i said iron man 3 territory where they were trying to like bring in you know grittiness or like you know sure. like psychological issues or whatever it was just hey we're gonna have fun mm-hmm. into the world you've seen this before let's do something a little bit different but you really like, like i said before you're not really caring about the villain you're just right. you're, you're more caring about yep. the people around thor and what's happening there and i, I think they did a really good job i, I agree I, it was I silly it. i love the fact that they crack jokes like every five minutes yes i love yes. that i love it it makes it it makes it fun everything so. was funny everything was firing off on all cylinders they, they didn't take it so and that's the thing too is, is thor is ridiculous yeah, like that, especially <laughs> like like when you like you see him in asgard you know in his like full regalia or whatever and you're like yeah he looks cool and then there's a scene when he walks into like a normal apartment and hangs his freaking hammer on a coat hang a coat rack right. and you're like he looks ridiculous this is yeah. the stupidest thing i've ever seen but right. they know that they're showing you that they know this is ridiculous you should just come in and just have some fun just that's exactly fun. right if you take the premise that it's a ridiculous uh, notion then then you yeah. can you'll enjoy it yeah yeah no that's great that's you great. can laugh at the naked guy running around stonehead <laughs> that's right oh my gosh that was awesome yeah. that was awesome all right so all it right. sounds like all a right. big thumbs up anything else from anybody no, no, yeah, no. It was good. Skip Ender's Game. Go see, go see Thor. You'll, you'll like it. Thanks for tuning into the Screeners Podcast. We love to hear from our listeners. So if you'd like to talk about something you heard on the show, or if there's something you didn't hear but you wish you had, drop us a line. No matter how you're used to talking to people online, there's a good chance you can talk to us that way too. On Facebook, search for Screeners Podcast. Tweet us at ScreenersCast. 
send us an email to screenerscast at gmail.com or leave a comment at screenerspodcast.com where you can also read up on all the things we've mentioned in the episode and send us ideas for future topics. And as always, if you like what you hear, help us spread the word by leaving some love in an iTunes review. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.